it's vacation time, so I don't really have a joke. Other than the one day I decided to go fishing, it rained. There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons. And then there are those that follow Mohammed's butt. I've never been one of them. How's your faith these days, Father? Oh, Lord, oh, you are so big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. So here I am out in West Allis, Wisconsin for my vacation. It is beautiful. It is sunny. There's a slight breeze. It's humid as heck. And I'm still dropping you a podcast episode. That's the best part about this platform, I guess. I can drop them anywhere. Anyway, let's get right to it. Here's the gospel. gospel this week is from Luke chapter 9 verses 51 through 62. Here we go. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to grow to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered the village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds have the air, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's all she wrote for the gospel this week. Let's get into some fun stuff, shall we? So way back a bit. This is probably, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. I was something of a youth pastor at my church. And once in the morning, I had to do the children's sermon. And I wanted to talk about how to be a friendly church. So, after getting all the kids settled down after the gospel reading, I asked a simple question. What would you do if a stranger came to our church? Immediately, one of the kindergartners raised his hand and said, I'd run away and find my mom. Another chimed in, I'd say no, 
and go tell my Sunday school teacher. One after another, the children told me how they would avoid making contact with the stranger. So I tried another tactic. What would happen if a new child in town was visiting our church for the first time? You'd be nice to him, wouldn't you? Well, of course, said one of the children, but if he was a stranger, I would not be nice to him. But what would happen if you were the stranger? I tried for the third time. You know, that desperation you get when you know what you're trying to do is going right down the hill. (laughs) Oh, was I feeling it at that moment. So I asked, how would you like to be treated? Wouldn't you want them to smile at you and greet you like a friend? Well, yeah, said this particularly thoughtful little girl, but not if they were strangers. You see, I'd use a code word and didn't even realize it, and I should have. I was a parent, and and it's a code word that little kids know extremely well. You know, stranger danger. It's a key program that a lot of communities use to keep their kids safe. They're warned over and over again to watch out for strangers. Strangers can be a real source of danger, a problem that's become part of our modern society. And once those children heard that word, I, I was fighting an uphill and losing battle. I was, they were not ever going to let any stranger get near them, even if it wasn't church. And I'm sure you remember a time in your life when some parent or adult told you about dealing with people that you did not know. Whether it was some transient begging for your change on a city street, or some carny offering you an opportunity to win big at a game of chance at the carnival, or maybe even an individual hanging out some sort of you know, pamphlet on street corner. Somebody told you to keep your distance and save your money. So, Continuing on this thread, my kid, my oldest, you know, uh, he and I were traveling between Phoenix and uh, Las Vegas, where we live. And there we passed a car with his hood up, clearly in trouble. The owner of the car was this dirty, unshaven mess and was sitting in front of his rusty old busted vehicle. And my son looked at it and said, hey, Dad, aren't we going to help him? Now... I know the dangers of stopping and helping people on the highway. I mean, it was remote. We hadn't seen another car or human being for like the last hour. So I was really concerned about that. And I wanted to protect Carl. So I said, nah, you know, Grandpa's making dinner tonight. And I promised we'd try and make it. So let's try and make it. And my son said, but he looks like he'd really use some help. Can't we help him? And I was like, we just don't have time, dude. And then that little punk just was like, right in the gut, was like, isn't this kind of like the the story of the Good Samaritan? Why are kids so good at getting to the point of things? You know, we have a similar situation in today's reading. Jesus was headed towards Jerusalem. and was passing through a village in Samaria. An advanced team of public relations workers, I guess you could call them, were telling of his plans so that preparations could be made. But 
The people in that village had no intention of welcoming this Jewish evangelist on his way through town. The disciples were stunned at the insulting attitude these people had. How could they refuse to welcome Jesus? Here was the most revered religious leader of the day passing through their village and they didn't want him to stop by. The disciples suggested they call down a bolt of lightning or fire. You know, teach these ingrates a lesson. But Jesus told them off and headed for another village instead. You know, I suspect those villagers in in that Samaritan town probably were taught to be very wary of Jewish strangers. There was no love between the Jews and Samaritans at this point in history. And that was why this story of the Good Samaritan was so surprising to listeners when Jesus told that story originally. As far as the Jews were concerned, nothing good ever came out of Samaria. And to the Samaritans, the Jews were oppressors. So they probably figured that Jesus might just use his visit to get some sort of shot at the faithlessness of the Samaritans. And this Jewish stranger was probably up to no good. The villagers had been trained to just say no by someone. Avoid that trouble before it begins. Don't let strangers get to you. And that approach is great for children and the naive. You never know when someone's going to bomb your village or blow up a bus. Someone might be out to kidnap you for some terrible reason. You have to keep your guard up. But there's a problem with just saying no. You might miss saying yes to some life-changing person. The people of that Samaritan village never knew what they missed when Jesus passed by. In some ways, it might have been better if the disciples had just called fire down from heaven. Then they would at least had real evidence that something incredible had been missed. The way it happened, though, no one in that village could ever really be sure that they had missed anything really important. Jesus came to offer them a life, and they had never even known it. It's like little children and veggies, you know? Sometimes you can force them to take a nibble, but you can't force them to like this stuff that's good for them. This passage in Luke goes on. It moves to those who said, No, from those who said, wait, could could you just wait a minute? Because that's a kind of a moment, isn't it? To the one man who wanted to follow wherever Jesus went, Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lie down and rest. And to the man who tells Jesus they'll follow as soon as he's buried his dad, Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. Go, proclaim the kingdom of God. And to the third man, who wants to say goodbye to those he'll be leaving at home, he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. These three cases does not look good for the hesitant. Excuses do not make it when the call of Jesus sounds. And we're stuck with the same attitude we found in the Samaritan village. They keep saying, You can't make me. And it's absolutely true. You cannot make someone love God or respond to God or live a life of faith. It's something the individual has to choose on their own. And there has to be something within that person that recognizes the need for Jesus in one's life 
before one can welcome him into one's village, home, or heart. And being conditional about it, saying, I'm ready, but just not yet, will not make a situation for conditional salvation. It's it's a little like putting faith on layaway. It's just not the same as having the item in your possession. We can put obstacles in our own way to keep us from following Jesus. We can refuse to let him in because of our fears. We can avoid his presence by saying, ah, not yet. We can even prevent a relationship from developing because we aren't ready to put away the past to deal with the future. Whatever the reason, the responsibility lies within our control. What we need to remember is that when we are ready, Jesus is there for us to discover. He didn't destroy the Samaritan village because they refused to let him enter. He didn't forever ban those who had excuses when he called them. The door is always there. All we need to do is go inside to discover the power and the grace of the one who has shown his love for us. So by the way, that guy uh, with the rusty car and everything, uh, he needed a new um, thing that charges battery. I helped him jump his car and it died within like five minutes. So I actually uh, helped drive him back to the nearest town, which I think was like Havasu, to buy the part and a couple of screwdrivers and stuff and helped him install the new one. And sure enough, he was fine and we still made it to dinner. I just thought I'd let you know. I wasn't going to be shown up by my kid. That guilt was too much. Anyway, I hope you all have the day you deserve. Um, thank you for listening to my podcast. Thank you very, very much also for your continued support. Uh, we are few, but we are mighty. And every time I see that I'm being heard, it's a wonderful and beautiful moment. So in light of everything else, cause some good trouble. And remember that God loves you and we're here for you. Amen. A freaking men.